You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know I mean, I can't believe 17 million people fell for this shit. Stupid. Just stupid. It shows how stupid people are. But more importantly, it shows how strong the human desire for the emotion I want to believe. I want to believe is such a strong emotion. It is literally what is driving global economy right now. And the way we consume news and the way we consume information is people want to believe whatever stupid thought they have inside them. And anything that provides confirmation or some sort of soothing of like, yes, yes, these things that you're worried about are true. It's all there. On May 18th, At 10.37 a.m. in the morning, Eastern Time, Lake Shoyo, who's got a ton of followers on Twitter, tweeted out, NBA script got leaked with a crying emoji. Can you please, for the listening audience who might not been one of those 17 million people, can you describe what the photo is that this person attached? So what it's supposed to be is a piece of letterhead NBA communications memorandum, pretty much. Yes. That's been crumpled up and thrown in the trash and and it's been retrieved and and uncrumpled. So it's wrinkled. And the title of the memorandum is NBA 22-23 season final screenplay, quote, battle of the 18th, unquote, final revision. The idea is like, ooh, screenplay and it's all scripted and in it, I'll just give you the beat by beats. It says there's going to be a game seven. The game seven will be Lakers Celtics after the Lakers beat the Nuggets in six and the Celtics prevail over the heat in seven. And then, as I said, they go to game seven and LeBron scores 53 points in game seven as the Lakers win and LeBron wins the finals most valuable player award. So this sounds like plausible. Right. If there was a script, this would be an absolute blockbuster of a, of a scenario. This makes sense, I mean. Yeah. Also, it makes sense that the entire screenplay and script would be in a one-page memorandum. For sure. We wouldn't need to <laughs> script out the beats. Because when you see wrestling scripts, it says, The Rock is going to beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. And that's it. That's just going to happen. It's still real to me, damn it. I'll give you random details like what time it's going to happen for some reason. They give us a lot of times here. But there is no other detail beyond these broad strokes. But Tom, when you look at this, 
and ignoring for for just a moment that it is a one-page memorandum and ignoring for just a moment that the Photoshop on this is horrendous, <laughs> it would have been better off just actually typing it out and then printing it and then taking that piece of printed paper and then crumpling it up and then calling it that. No, they tried to Photoshop what crumpled text would look like. This is what's mind-boggling to me is the idea that they went through all of this work, yeah. the pain of writing up this fake document and posting it on Twitter to get all these page views and all these people who want to believe and they couldn't even bother just printing it out and then crumpling it up and taking a picture of it with their phone. Oh, Tom, you sweet, sweet, ignorant man. It's the 21st century. Everybody's got Photoshop, but nobody has a printer anymore. Come on. Ignore all that. Ignore that, Tom, for a second. Ignore all of that common sense of even if the content was real. Okay. What they're saying is real. The very obvious, wait a second, without even reading through this, I can just take a glance at it and know it's fake. Forget about that. Because we're basketball night. Let's go line by line. Okay, yes. Revealing yes. all of the things that are wrong with this. Tom, you start because you pointed out the moment you sent this to me. What's the first thing that jumps out at you? Final air date, July 18th, 2023. Hmm. July 18th. Now, I think I have the NBA official final schedule right here. July 18th. That's the wrong month. Yeah. It's the wrong month. Maybe it's the final screenplay for Summer League. Possible. <laughs> okay. All right. Battle of the 18th. By the way, I think Summer League <laughs> ends before the 18th. I just want to throw that out there. So they have final air date, wrong month, July 18th, 2023. Whoever drew this up didn't even bother to get the month correct. Live on ESPN. Uh, Sorry. Don't know if you've been paying attention to the NBA finals since, oh, the 80s at least. The NBA Finals have never been on cable. ABC, all the way, not ESPN. They tell us it's a seven central tape delay. I don't know what that means. Again, live on ESPN. It, it reiterates that it's on ESPN. Before the game, load Larry O'Brien championship trophy into Crypto.com center dressing room by 2.20 p.m. Here's the problem. The Lakers would only have home court advantage to host a game seven in the finals if the Hawks the Bulls, or the Raptors made the finals. Wait a minute, Amin. We just blew right past this error. Oh, there's more. Crypto.com what? Oh. What is the Crypto.com? It's an arena. It's not a center. <laughs> it says center here. Crypto.com center. But again, <laughs> incorrect name. They got the wrong month. They got the wrong channel. They got the wrong arena. And they have the wrong location of game seven. Conference finals, Lakers beat Nuggets in game six on the May 27, 2023. This was posted May 18th, so this was before the Lakers went down in this series, but clearly, obviously, we're already in a place where there's some massive problems there. Wait, did you say the May 27th, 2023? They do this throughout the document. Anytime they say on, they include a the. That's not how people write. <laughs> on the 527-23. Let's see here. Jokic, 40-point triple-double in game three win. Didn't happen. And then it just says May 20th, 23. There's no parentheses. There's no on May 20th. It's just there. And then it says, please refer to NBA referees game flow management document, which is a nice, very technical sounding term there. Yeah. Celtics to defeat the Miami Heat in game seven on the May 28th, 2023. Jimmy Butler to score 36 point. What? Not points. 36 point in a game one win. Now miraculously parentheses appear and they let us know it's May 18th, 2023. And then another parentheses, please refer to the NBA referees game flow management document. Mm. NBA finals, the Lakers to defeat the Boston Celtics in game seven on the June 18th, 2023. Oh, they got the month right, though. Hey, that's good. They got the month right, but they still give us an extra the. LeBron James to score 53 points, not a point, but points, in Game 7 on the June 18th, 2023. Thank you for that extra the. It's still there. And then please refer to the Game Flow Management document. Remember, when they told us what Jokic would do and what Butler would do, all three lines are written in different ways but they all refer to the game flow management document, which is bold and underlined too. Don't know why, but document isn't. LeBron James to win the Bill Russell NBA Finals Most Valuable Player Award. And then they have the disclaimer that's at the bottom of every NBA document, which is strictly confidential, et cetera, et cetera. These people fell for this. They wanted to fall for it. 
They needed that validation. 7,000 bookmarks. 7,000 people bookmarked that tweet to refer to it later on Twitter. Here are some of the comments. Illuminati confirmed. Come on, people. Don't put our name on that shit. Illuminati confirmed. This is the problem. The Illumination out there need to tell other people. You need to spread the word. It is sad to me that 17 million people followed this and watched this, read this, digested this information, treated it as gospel. I feel like our Illumination, all the citizens out there need to do a better job of keeping third eyes open. We need to do passport checks. You don't get to be part of the Illumination if you believe this dumb shit. And that goes to everyone who sent this to us. Like, see... By the way, I love the idea that they printed it out and handed it to someone who then said, ah, I don't need this. A literal paper trail. A literal paper trail. Like, they didn't email it. No, it's like, here, take this printout. Shut up. You guys are all morons. They want to believe. They want to believe. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but- all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstroh, and as always, I am joined by the five-star generals, Amin El Hassan, and producer Anthony Mays, the co-presidents of the Illumination. Illumination, we've got a great show for you this week. I mean, the NBA playoffs are going on, and there's a Jimmy Butler absolute avalanche of content about Jimmy Butler. Now, all of the best, the greatest hits about Jimmy Butler are there for consumption. Everybody knows everything about him between the Tomball, Texas story, country music, all of his weird eccentricities, all the things that makes Jimmy Butler so fascinating, so compelling of a character in the NBA playoffs. But there's something that I don't think anyone knows, or at least I haven't seen publicly about Jimmy Butler that I'm going to reveal Amin in a segment. Let me know what you think about this. Mm -hmm. Tom did his own research. God damn it. You've done it again. You've done it again, Magoo. Oh man. I was hoping Tom did his own paternity test to find out if Jimmy Butler's really Michael Jordan's son. Guess that'll have to be another episode. So we're going to talk about Jimmy Butler later in the show, but first... Listening to the agenda with Tom Haberstroh and Amin El Hassan. We saved it for this week. We were going to do all of this last week, but we needed to let it marinate. We needed the dots to connect. And once the dots connected, we didn't realize how deep this went. All of these dots out there, you look up in the sky and you might not see the constellations. But this program right here, Basketball Illuminati. We are going to connect those dots. Victor Wembanyama, number one pick, San Antonio Spurs win the draft lottery. I mean, we should have seen this coming, right? I mean, we did see it coming. We saw it coming months ago. But nobody pays attention, and that's all right. That's fine. For those of you who are new to this, give me your hand. We'll take you guys to walk through how we knew the Spurs were going to win the lotto. And it doesn't start in Chicago in that room where the ping pong balls are. No, no, no. It starts a long, long, long time before that. How long, I mean? Well, let's see here. As I look at my rollie, it's about that time. I believe it starts all the way back in 1996. That's right. There's a guy. His name 
is Greg Popovich. Mm. He is the general manager of the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs have been a dominant franchise for most of the decade behind surefire Hall of Famer David Robinson. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go further, David Robinson, where was he in the draft? Where did he get drafted? He got drafted number one overall by San Antonio. Oh, okay. Gotcha. San Antonio got the number one draft pick and just happened to be the year that David Robinson was eligible for the draft. Yeah, sure. Why not? So they win 56 games, 55 games, 47 games, 49 games, 55 games, 62 games, and David Robinson is the MVP. 59 games, never making it to the finals. The conference finals is the best they have in that stretch. But this is a dominant team, coached very competently by Bob Hill for those last two years. David Robinson is dominant. This team is awesome. Great offensive rating, suffocating defensive rating. They are one of the best teams in the league. David Robinson starts the 96-97 season injured. Hmm. So... What happens to this dominant team? They struggle out the gate. They lose some games. Okay, that's understandable, but we know this is a great team. We know that this is not indicative of who they are, and we know that Bob Hill is a great coach. Greg Popovich, the general manager, Mm. he did a little college shit, but never coached on the pro level, decides to fire Bob Hill and instate himself in his place. Now, why would Greg Popovich want to have more control over the situation? I mean, GMs have a lot of control. Well, there's a couple of things, right? Number one is if you are the GM and you know there is a hot prospect on the market in the draft that requires you to be bad for lottery's sake, would you want your team trying to win games? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Especially when you have David Robinson on your roster. You want to maximize that window when you have a star like that. Of course. No. (laughs) You don't want to win games. You want to lose. No. So what happens is David Robinson starts off with some back problems, goes back and forth off the IL, and then breaks his foot right on Christmas Eve and is not activated again until the end of the season. And what the team ends up doing is focusing everything towards being bad, being awful. And they bleed red. And they play 600-year-old Dominique Wilkins. And they give Jamie Fike a chance to play a lot of games, rotation games. That's right, the man who coined the term Fike You. And Carl Herrera's never gotten... This many looks in his life. And Vernon Maxwell, who's been cast off from Houston, is out here gunning. And predictably, they're terrible. And so Bob Hill gets fired on paper because bad record. You start at 3 and 15, you're out of here. Greg Popovich takes over and goes 17 and 47 the rest of the way. Now, the birds whisper that Bob Hill was not fired for being bad, Tom. Bob Hill was fired for not wanting to go along with the plan. Hmm. Well, what was in Winston-Salem at this time? The place that you know very well, Tom. There was a demon deacon named Timothy Duncan. Now, this guy could have gone any year, and he would have been a number one pick, basically. He was that good. That good of a, a prospect. Yes. But he stayed in for all four years at Wake Forest, which meant that the Spurs could time this. And make sure that they could tank or uh, uh, retool, maybe. And make sure that they had a greater chance at landing a generational prospect in Tim Duncan. How generational, you might ask? How generational was it known? You know the famous Patino game quote? Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door. And Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. That came because the Boston press was stressing him. When he came and he got the job in 96, he claimed to have this three-year plan or whatever. And the plan was not going according to plan because step one of the plan in Boston was be bad, draft him Duncan, 
and then watch the rest of your life change. Rick Pitino did exactly what Greg Popovich did. They were awful in 96-97. The difference is Rick Pitino did not win the lottery. Greg Popovich did. And as a result, Greg Popovich got Tim Duncan, and Greg Popovich ends up having this illustrious career. And Rick Pitino flames out of the NBA, never to be heard from again on an NBA level. So all of this, ladies and gentlemen, is a playbook that Greg Popovich mastered A guy who came downstairs, fired his coach, and acted as a caretaker, and all of a sudden becomes the greatest coach of all time. What if I told you his career started on a lie? And here we are, 26 years later. Greg Popovich is supposed to retire. Yeah. It's done. The swan song. Hand it off to Becky. Hand it off to Butt. To Will Hardy. To any one of these guys. Brett Brown. James Borrego. Ime Udoka. All of these names are supposed to take over. It's finally time for him to pass the reins. When would luck present us? A generational talent who'll be eligible in the draft of 2023. And you say, oh, you saw Wembenyama in 2023 and said, okay, I'll do this one last tank. No, 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 you guys are moving too fast. Mm -hmm. Because we got to start with a young man named Victor growing up in France, an elite prospect even as a child. Hey, kid, you like the NBA? Why don't you take a picture with this jersey on. That's a Spurs jersey, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Hey, you want to play pro ball in France? Why don't you play for this team? Whose team? A-S-V-E-L, Asvelt. Who owns that team? Tom? Uh, I believe it's the Parker family. I don't know who the two brothers who are owning that team. One is named TJ. The other one is named Tony. Oh, yes. TJ Parker and Tony Parker. Did they sound familiar? You mean Tony Parker, the former NBA champion for the San Antonio Spurs? Tony Parker? Oh, I had him as Tony Parker from the Charlotte Hornets. But yes, I suppose, yes, the San Antonio Spurs as well. Yeah, that works. Wait, you're telling me the Charlotte Hornets, who had the fourth best odds to win the NBA lottery, they land at number two when there's a generational prospect on the board. They didn't get the number one pick, but they'll get number two. Sounds a lot like the Anthony Davis draft to me. The Hornets fall, not getting the number one pick, but they end up at number two. You know who had the number three draft position in 1997? It was the San Antonio Spurs. And they moved up from number three, maybe get Chauncey Billups or Antonio Daniels or Tony Batiste, Ron Mercer, maybe. Keith Van Horn. Danny Fortson. Tim Thomas. Instead of getting number three, they move up to number one. Now, what was the Spurs? Remind me of me in the Spurs draft position this year. If I'm not mistaken, Tom, it was similarly third. That's right. They were third. But how did they get to the third position? How did they get the third slot? They were tied with the old Houston Rockets as third worst. They weren't outright third worst. But here's the thing, Tom. Unlike the NBA playoffs where the tiebreaker is your head-to-head, what's the tiebreaker in the lottery? It's a literal coin flip. (laughs) You remember that year, huh? The draft, the Suns and the Bucks, both tied for the first-round pick. Down to a coin flip. Phoenix calls heads. Yeah, it was tails. The goddamn Bucks got Lou Alcindor. A flip of the coin. The NBA flips a coin to see which team is going to be three versus four. And the Spurs, wouldn't you know, win that coin flip. They get the third slot. And you might be sitting here and saying, wait a minute, who cares who gets third or fourth if they all get the same odds at getting the number one pick? Why does it matter, I mean, whether you're three versus four? Tell me why, Tom. Because the combinations of the ping pong balls are aligned with the slot. Your corresponding combinations, it's not written Houston Rockets. It's not written San Antonio Spurs. It's the number three team. And the Spurs landed the number three slot on draft lottery night. And miraculously, the combinations on lottery night corresponded with the number three team. Tom, I'm sure in that back room, it was a big hubbub. But eventually, we got the four pick, the three pick, the two pick, then the one pick. And they all went to individual teams, and San Antonio obviously ended up with number one, right? That's what happened. Everyone knows teams got their own little combination hit. Oh, a little funny business happened there. I don't know if it's funny business. 
What's that? So how this works is there is a bunch of media and a bunch of executives in a room. So there's ping pong balls in a ping pong ball machine, right? And the numbers pop up, sucks it up. One of the executives for the NBA looks at it and announces the number. Once those four numbers are announced, they go to basically a big grid with number combinations and the team. This combination, which was 14, 5, 8, and 2. Once that's announced, Spurs, they got to go to the number two team. And the number two team, they announced corresponding with the Charlotte Hornets. And then after that, it was the Portland Trailblazers. But what happened with number four? Can you guess which team had the number four pick at the first draw? It was the San Antonio Spurs. Mm. Then the NBA reran it because that's not allowed. They already got their pick at number one. They already got their pick. Yep. So they reran it. The Hornets popped up. Huh? The Hornets who had already won the number two pick. They had to rerun it one more time. Surely they'll get a new team, an eligible team. The four numbers that came through San Antonio again. Think about that. The San Antonio Spurs ended up getting the number one and then the number four and then the number four again. It's interesting. How many times San Antonio comes up? Purely random. Now, Tom, surely it was just a random set of numbers that came up. It was 14, 5, 8, and 2. Now, if I were to correspond each one of those numbers with a letter in the alphabet. Okay. What I would get are the letters N, E, H, and B. Wait a minute. The last three digits there, 582, EHB, that doesn't spell anything. EHB doesn't spell anything. Because remember, it's not like each combination, if it comes in a different order, that's a different combination. It's the same combination. If you rearrange the order of that, you get HEB. HEB is San Antonio's biggest sponsor. It's the supermarket chain in San Antonio. Oh, those commercials. They have the funniest commercials, dude. Smells great, fellas. What's cooking? H-E-B specialty burgers. You have the brisket burger, the blue cheese burger. Don't forget the salmon burger. Sounds great. Can I have some? Sure. So we should... I don't know. Share? No. We would need to... Uh, cook more? Come on, man. You know what we want. Toss another burger on the barbie. Yes! <laughs> I love his accent, man. H-E-B Prime One Burgers. Made fresh, in-store daily. Why would you toss a burger at a barbie? The best commercials, H-E-B. It's the grocery store. And I believe Austin Toros, the G League team, the affiliate of the San Antonio Spurs, H-E-B Center. There you go. <laughs> it goes deeper than that. We mentioned Tim Duncan, right? Yeah. The big prize for that 96-97 tank job. Tom, who are the other two pieces of the big three for San Antonio? That gave them a lot of their success there in the 2000s. Well, there's Tony Parker and then there's Manu Ginobili. What number did Tony Parker wear? Tony Parker? He was number nine? Mm-hmm. What number did Manu Ginobili wear? 20. What's 20 plus nine? 29. Mm-hmm. What's 14 plus five? 19. Plus eight? 27. Plus two? <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop it, man. 29! I'm here to give y'all the truth and nothing but the truth. If y'all ain't ready for it, just say I ain't ready. Wow. 29. 29. They're telling you. They're giving away all the signs. They're giving away all the secrets. I mean, you're explaining things that when we were recording this pod, like I had some notes here mm-hmm. and this is totally spontaneous. I did not see this coming. You're trying to tell me that Tony Parker's jersey number plus Ginobili's jersey number adds up to the same sum total of the combination of ping pong balls that landed Victor Wembanyama. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's the, the facts! T- I'm trying to pick up the pieces of my brain off the floor and putting it back together. And one of the things that struck me is how sloppy sometimes the Spurs are in trying to cover up the trail here. If you've been to the Spurs arena AT&T Center. An arena named the AT&T Center where nobody, not even AT&T subscribers, gets a cell signal in there. So even if you took a picture of the locker room, you might not be able to send it to anybody. The Wi-Fi is just so bad. Convenient. Very convenient, just like how they sent out hand-waving fans, hand fans, yeah. on the night that the AC went out. Mm-hmm. The customers were sitting in their seats. There's a literal hand fan that doubles as a noisemaker sitting in their seats when, whoopsie-daisies, the AC goes out. Whoopsies. And in that Spurs locker room, there is a framed quote on the wall 
a quote from Jacob Rees, who is a famous philosopher, writer. The quote reads this, when nothing seems to help, I go back and look at the stone cutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it was not that blow that did it, but all that had gone before. That's the stone cutter's credo hanging up on the wall of the San Antonio Spurs locker room. And it's not just written in English, I mean. Mm-hmm. It's also written in French. Ah, Come on. <laughs> now I know Boris Diaw won a championship 2014 with the San Antonio Spurs. And I know that Tony Parker won a championship, many championships. Won a championship in 2014 where the AC went off, yep. But to put this quote up in French mm. says something to me. It says... Keep your third eye open. Garde ton troisième oeil ouvert. Because this Victor Wembenyama story, going to the Spurs. Do you remember when he was oh, giving that fist pump, Victor, mm-hmm. at 2.30 in the morning, sitting next to Brian Winhurst? A very sleepy Brian Winhurst, yes. He gave a fist pump when the Houston Rockets name came out. And then the Charlotte Hornets and everything in the room just erupts in jubilation because the prophecy came true. Victor Wembenyama who wore Tony Parker's jersey. Mm -hmm. Tony Parker tweeted out a photo of Victor Wimbanyama when he was a child wearing a San Antonio Spurs jersey, number nine. I'm calling this divine intervention. San Antonio stands for St. Anthony, and there's a new St. Anthony in San Antonio, and his name is St. Tony Parker because he delivered the Messiah to the Spurs. The French connection comes through again, this was never in doubt. Victor Weminyama was never going to end up anywhere else. Victor Weminyama, who played for Tony Parker's team that he owned in France. Victor Weminyama, who the Spurs tanked for, winning three games in January and February combined. Four games in November, January, and February combined. <laughs> That's the hammer. They're hammering it hundreds of times with L's. Yep. Every time they hammer it, a little L crack in the rock starts to form, but you can't see it. Victor Wembanyama, who the Spurs needed a combination of H-E-B, a combination of Tony and Manu. Finally, the verdict comes in at the stroke of 8.30 p.m. Eastern time on May 16th, jubilation as his dreams and the Spurs dreams are realized. Is May 16th a date, by the way? I didn't even look that one up. Is May 16th anything special? Let's see here. May 16th. I'm going to basketball reference here right now because they have a catalog of all the players, when they were born, where they were born. So I can actually pull up on May 16th. Oh, we've got John Sally born May 16th. That's pretty cool. Interesting, but irrelevant. Quincy Doobie. Oh, Rutgers. Unfortunately, there's there's nothing here, no dots here that I can I can see connecting this to the Spurs. Wait a second. Hold on. This thing happened at 830 at night. Yeah, it was 830 Eastern time. Because the game was going to start right after. But you said Wembenyama was 230 in the morning. In Paris, yeah. Oh, because he was in France. So where he was at, it was actually May 17th. You're right. I'm going to click here. May 17th. Who was born on May 17th in the NBA? What do we got? Waxy Gordon or some weird name like that? They always got weird names. Pickles Kennedy, 1938. Pickles Kennedy. Danny Manning, Channing Fry, Pablo Prigioni. Hey. Yeah, I'm not really seeing. Oh, look at this. May 17th, 1982. 18-year career. Oh. Almost 20,000 points scored. My. 111 win shares. God. Career averages of 15 and a half <laughs> points and 5.6 assists. <laughs> Drafted in 2001. Just stop. By the Spurs in the 28th pick of the first round. The Parisian Torpedo himself. None other than Tony Parker, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Tony Parker, May 17th, the day Victor Weminyama discovered he'd be a San Antonio Spur. Basketball Illuminati, basketball Illuminati, basketball Illuminati. Say it three times. Keep your third eye open. Oh, this is outrageous. I listen to this Illuminati basket talk about mon petit frère Victor, the French connection, la connexion française, and there is no mention of moi. 
Rudy Gobert. When I am in the draft in 2013, no one is talking about moi going to the second one. Even though I am picked one spot before the Spurs choose mon compatriot Livio Jean-Charles. Where is the conspiracy then? Je suis the best defensive player trois fois, three times. Team et Tony, Manu et Boris et Pop, they don't want me. Va te faire foutre. I go into the darkness for 64 hours. One of the most powerful experiences I've had in this lifetime only to give him the MVP trophy du Ligue Nationale de Basket et vous ne dites rien You say nothing to this Where is the conspiracy pour la réunion avec moi et mon petit frère Victor Pourquoi, why, les Timberwolves do not get the number one pick Oh, they are telling me they traded all the picks for moi Zut, I really thought we would get him. Don't be in the Casper trois pattes, un canard. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What does that look like? You doing your own research. Are you doing studies yourself? Are you in the lab on a nightly basis? What are you doing? Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Doing your own research. I'm not a scientist. I'm not here to tell everyone that this is it. For me, it's just um, just giving everyone a chance to do their own research and find their own knowledge. I mean, I did some research here because in game two, when the Miami Heat rallied back from a double digit deficit in the fourth quarter in Boston, Grant Williams and Jimmy Butler lock heads, lock foreheads and start jawing at each other. It was a great moment. One of the best moments that will live in infamy if you're a Celtics fan mm-hmm. and live in glory forever if you're a Miami Heat fan. The game switched at that moment and maybe the series ended in that moment. Yeah. That to me was a very poignant moment just to show how fiery Jimmy Butler is as a player. I don't think Grant Williams wanted that smoke just like he was going to, I'm going to make two. I'm going to make them both. Well, at least not from a basketball standpoint. (laughs) He didn't want the smoke. Jimmy Butler is one of the most fiery competitive dudes. We've detailed on this show before the Minnesota Timberwolves practice. Talk about a, a shit talker. It's a short list of people who talk the talk and walk the walk. Jimmy Butler. Something interesting, though, I mean, happened after that that I don't think enough people are paying attention to. Nobody's paying attention to this. No one knows this. I didn't know until you told me. Jimmy Butler, in the aftermath of that exchange with Grant Williams, got a technical foul, double technical. That was the first technical called on Jimmy Butler this entire season. That's unbelievable. For someone who, A, plays as physical a style of basketball, right? A lot of banging offensively, a lot of drawing fouls, right? For someone elite defensively, someone who is a physical defensive player, one of the best two-way players in the league. And most importantly, for someone who is not averse to conflict. He is an ornery somebody out there. You mean to tell me he went an entire 82-game season, two playing games, five-game series in the first round and a six-game series in the second round and had not incurred a single technical foul in that time. 
That's right. This is a dude who basically fought his head coach on live TV in the middle of a game. This dude who invites confrontation, invites the conflict, runs toward it, not running away from it, runs toward it, except when it comes to officials. Sitting here, I'm like, how many times has Jimmy Butler gotten a technical this postseason? Zero. How many times has he gotten a technical in the regular season? And the same number is zero. This is a dude, I mean, who drew 443 fouls in the regular season plus postseason. Over 400 fouls. This is one of the best foul drawers in the NBA. A guy who invites the con, the confrontation, the conflict, and the contact. Mm -hmm. And yet... He's never argued with a referee this season to the point where they tee him up. I could not believe this. It's got to be an accident, right? Like he's ornery and they just, for whatever reason or another, he's accidentally not gotten a technical until game two. So I reached out to someone close to Jimmy Butler because I was like, I can't believe this is true. There's got to be a story behind it. And it is true. Jimmy Butler made a point this season to get off the officials, made a point this season to treat them with respect and just let it go and not argue with officials. Because I was thinking to myself, you know how Dwayne Wade or Luca or what have you, Superstar X, after they fall, after they get hit or there's a contact at the rim, they'll just jaw with the officials and yell yep. while the rest of the game is going on. Mm -hmm. Lagging behind the defense and you're continually late in transition defense. Yeah, they're too busy needling the refs on their way back. And I can't recall Jimmy doing this at all. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, when he gets contact, he just gets right back up and runs back on defense. Now, statistically, that is something that's incredibly difficult to do, right? Like, to be that physical, be that ornery, play that many minutes, be that type of focal point for your team— and avoid incurring the wrath of the refs. Dare I say it, Tom, it's damn near impossible. It is a remarkable display of willpower. That is incredible self-discipline. To be in all of that and never once get upset or frustrated with a ref in a vocal, visible manner. Right, because look, Draymond had 21 texts this year, like all in all. Luka Doncic had 15, had a couple that were taken off over the past couple of years, rescinded. By the way, Draymond doesn't play offensively nearly as big a role as Jimmy does, and Luka doesn't play defensively nearly as big a role as Jimmy does. For a guy who's got the notoriety right now is the best player on the planet right now. You can argue Jokic, right? But the idea is this dude, in order to be a superstar in the NBA, you're going to get called for text just by virtue of how much contact and disagreement you have having the ball in your hands or fouls that you disagree with. You're going to get text. Kevin Durant has 12 this season. Devin Booker, 10. Jason Tatum, nine. Who's the next closest superstar? Let's go with a, someone who's all-star or all-NBA in the last couple of years. So the closest comp I would say to this is Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis has one technical foul back in November. I think it was the one who had zero technical fouls this season, along with Jimmy Butler heading into game two, Lowry Markkinen. Do you think people would say Lowry Markkinen and Jimmy Butler have the same sort of fiery disposition? No, Jimmy Butler's like one of the biggest badasses in the league and talks the most shit of anybody in the league. Seeking the conflict. Other names, by the way, that are comparable, I guess. Jalen Brunson had three. James Harden had three. Kyrie Irving had three. Chris Paul had four. Jokic, he had five. Zero. Now that's... Joel Embiid. Embiid had seven. So if you look at the MVP candidates, the best players in the league, you're going to have at least a handful of technicals. But Jimmy Butler is the most disciplined superstar in the league. You watch him down the stretch, and he looks totally composed... He's smirking, Amin. When Grant Williams is trying to talk shit to him, Jimmy Butler is smirking like this guy. This guy, really? This guy? But when it comes to officiating, he's a guy who keeps his emotions in check and doesn't take it out on the officials. And I'm wondering, Amin, do you think this helps him? The benefit of the doubt with officials. When he has contact, when he's playing defense, when he's trying to defend the other team. Do you think that Jimmy Butler 
because of how nicely he treats and respectful he is of the officials. Do you think that gives him a little bit of leeway, a little bit of benefit of the doubt when there's a 50, 50 call, a questionable call? I imagine like he doesn't make their life a living hell. And, and so there has to be a, at least an innate part where you're going to be a little bit more lenient to someone who treats you with dignity. I'm not here saying, like, oh, man, like, stop complaining, players, whatever. I get it. You get frustrated. Some missed calls. Some of it is politicking. Like, you do this now because you know you'll get a makeup call somewhere else. I get it. I get all the gamesmanship. But you also can't tell me there isn't a part of this that if you do this the right way, you can maybe accrue some sort of good favor or goodwill that will aid and assist you down the line. And again, for Jimmy Butler to be this badass who also somehow doesn't talk to the refs, it's cognitive dissonance at its finest. Yes. Fucking Jimmy Butler day for all you bitches out there. I'm trying to find someone who has more steals than fouls called this postseason. Trying to find someone who has made more possession-changing plays, causing more turnovers on the defensive end than actual fouls. And I'm looking at this list right now. Did you know, I mean, that the only player right now that has more steals than fouls is none other than Jimmy Butler, who also entering game two had zero technical fouls to his name this season. So is he the most gentlemanly, the most respectful superstar in the league? I mean, how would you phrase this? The Jimmy Butler is the most badass dude in the league, but he's also... What? This is, I would say, Tom, this is an interesting thing. People are surprised at how the Heat have overachieved this postseason. How a team that was seemingly a few minutes away from being eliminated in a play-in loss could have this remarkably deep playoff run. One of the greatest playoff runs by an eight seed ever. And in it, they've been down double digits and they've found a way to come back, just keep chipping away. And I tell you, Tom... I think it's because of Jimmy Butler's willpower. He's willing this team to compete. He's willing this team to overachieve. He is willing to see not to give up on these games. And someone with that kind of willpower, it stands to reason, could conceivably say, hey, when I put my mind to it, I can not ever complain to a referee. I can control that behavior much as I'm controlling almost the outcomes of these games. That's a remarkable feat. That's something I could say I've never seen before. Like you said, most of the guys who are low on that list of technical fouls, they're calmer people. Anthony Davis is a cool dude, man. Mm -hmm. He doesn't wig out a whole lot. He's not fiery like that. All the fiery guys you think of, the great quote-unquote competitors we think of. They're all getting texts, and we kind of accept it as part of the business, right? It's a cost of doing business. But here he is, and as remarkable as what he's done on the court from a basketball playing standpoint, this might be his most remarkable feat, to be that intense and yet avoid until game two any sort of repercussion for it. And it was a double technical. It wasn't even a thing where he was yelling at the officials. What a run. What a run it was, huh? The most disciplined NBA player in the league. The most disciplined star. Jimmy Butler rips your heart out. With laser focus. Unless you're wearing those stripes. some travel this week in the illumination and so i am coming to you from the cold clothes to get you caught up on all the crazy stuff that's happening that normally would have been in the agenda or somewhere else in this show so get your brooms out 
The Lakers got swept, guys. Chim, chim, and me, chim, chim, and me, chim, chim, chirin. A sweet bitch that's lucky as lucky can be. Jokic hit these absolutely crazy step back, falling away, three pointers, including a dagger that essentially ended the series, although his foot was on the line for that one. So it was the deepest two you could possibly take. Carmelo Anthony retired on Monday. And those two things combined to inspire this cryptic LeBron statement about his own future. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. And um, just for me personally, going, going forward with the game of basketball, Got a lot to think about. He's got a lot to think about and will have a lot to talk about all summer long as we enter the will he, won't he stage of LeBron's retirement. Oh, so exciting. Meanwhile, although the Celtics avoided the offseason microscope last week after surviving the 76ers, they're already out of the playoffs a week later after imploding against the Heat, going down 3 0. Jimmy Butler's mocking Al Horford's timeout gesture. Joe Missoula seems set to join the morass of unemployed coaches. And Jalen Brown's freshly minted all-NBA status sets the Celtics up to extend their two-star wings for a combined $613 million over five years. Jalen's got his extension this summer. Tatum will be up for an extension next summer so they could lock in those two guys who essentially live in the Eastern Conference Finals. There's only been two years that they didn't make it to the Eastern Conference Finals in both of their careers, but the price tag is serious and there is chatter of blowing it all up. After game three, Jalen Brown said the Heat were playing above their means. And then before game four, he and Marcus Smart made the comments Don't let us get one and don't let us win tonight, which were supposed to be ominous warnings, but came off more serious out of context as if they were saying, seriously, please don't let us win. Don't let us get one under any circumstances. We don't want it. We don't want to keep playing anymore. I'm begging you. So we had Lakers Celtics 13 on deck, the most storied franchises in NBA history clashing in the finals for the 13th time. And those dreams were swept away. Domin Amin talked about that Travis Sham mockery of a quote unquote script that leaked online, that people wanted to believe the finals were rigged, that everything was scripted, but that's the NBA's secret. Everything has always been scripted. You know what makes for compelling content? Red herrings, surprise twists. The NBA knows this. They expected the unexpected, giving us a Denver-Miami finals to stay unpredictable, leaving us all on the hook for the cliffhanger ending.